In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, a group of longtime friends band together and try to make sense of it all. Presented to an audience in an easy to digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. Welcome to another episode of Geeking Off the Page. I'm Mike, and I'm far from home. And I'm Trevor, and I'm at home. I'm, I think I'm like the third Spider-Man film. Got back home. All good. Um, so, Mike, what have you been watching this week? During the week, I've been watching some more Knight Rider, and I just started season two, episode one and two, because it was a two-parter, Goliath. And it started to get pretty cringe. Not yeah. going to lie. This is the moment where it didn't quite live up to the first season. The you whole can see the evil... shark in the distance that you're going to be jumping soon. I wonder how bad it gets. Uh, it's going to be a fun experiment. But the evil David Hasselhoff, you know, with the evil Spock goatee beard type thing Garth going on. Garth or Gareth or whatever his name is. Garth. Yeah, Garth Knight. And I didn't like that concept of a character at all because it, to me, it tarnishes the Wayne, or not Wayne Foundation. It tarnishes the, I'm messing up. It tarnishes the Knight Foundation because the fact that Wilton Knight had this evil son and this evil wife, it's like, maybe you should have cleaned up your own family before trying to go solve all the problems of the universe. I just remember as a kid thinking, why would you take this you know the person you're going to be the champion of your company your company and make him look exactly like your son what there was exactly. no other another photos kicking around of like hey make him look like this guy instead no here's a photo of my son who i don't like who's a complete fuck up yeah make him look like that and this is the thing where that writing destroyed what was done in the first episode because the whole point is michael knight is a man who doesn't exist Mm-hmm. And Wilton Knight kind of made him look like himself when he was a young man. It was just like, you know, but he like an just ego, like, his son. like a vanity project. But so, like, in the first season, in... he didn't have a son. This is yeah, something like, they could... introduced in season two. I mean, the theory is he could walk into a casino and they'd be like, hey, it's Garth Knight, get him. Yeah, shouldn't you be in prison? Exactly. It's like, but I don't exist. I'm not sure about that. I know, you yeah. do. You're the guy that screwed over the corporation and killed the daughter. Go to jail. So, like for a gimmick story, fine, but it doesn't work. Like it tarnishes everything that came before that, and I really hate that kind of writing. Now, I like Goliath as a concept. You know, the big rig that's got that kit armor on top of it, mm-hmm. going to go steal some nukes. I'm fine with all that. I hated the fact that they got rid of Bonnie and brought in April. I remember being a nine year old. And wondering, like, what the hell is going on here? I remember being so annoyed at that. I really like Bonnie as a character. And even as a little kid, I realized, oh, this seems like just some pretty airhead that isn't really a mechanic. She's just Mm -hmm. around for eye candy, which is exactly why they brought her into the show. But I thought it was interesting how it's season three, you know, the cast and fans all united to bring back Bonnie. Yeah, they spoke. And I, I noticed, like, I remember as a kid thinking back, like when Bonnie came back, the, the actress played her differently. 
there was a little bit of resentment and bitterment, like, you know, just a like bitterness to her character from this point on. And you're just like, Oh yeah. Writing's on the wall. Yeah. It's such a shame because again, season one was done so well and well, we'll see where season two takes us. I'll keep you posted. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, sp- speaking of things that were in season two, um, I watched the latest episode of Loki season two. Um, and I, I have to say, I'm feeling a little hopeful, maybe. Um, oh, really hopeful. I've been hearing some terrible things. Um, I'm hopeful in as much as they're laying some solid groundwork for where this season could go. Where I'm not hopeful is Kang as the villain. He just, it's... It's like being scared of the old woman down the street, sort of thing. Who cares? And the fact, um, how many times has he been killed already? He was killed yeah, the, in Loki. He was killed in Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Was he killed anywhere else? Is he going to be killed in this again? Probably at least three, four times. Um, That's the problem with just, a, a variance in alternate realities of characters. It's like, well, if we killed you once, we can kill you a bunch of times. Well, you're yeah, going to have to kill me a million times. Well, you're cannon fodder. You're not a big bat. You're just yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Accepted. Disposable. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just I. The problem I have is there's no menace to the character, like like none. Like he's, it, it's it's a being frightened by a, a little like tiny dog, you know. Yeah, throw a Doberman or a Great Dane that's like all cujoed out. Then yeah, I'd be like, shit, uh, this is not good. But. This is like one of those little Yorkshire Terriers yapping at your ankles. You're like, whatever. This is this isn't. There's no, and I, part of that menace is back in as bad as Ant Man Quantumania was. It would have been a better film if Kang won. Then that would have set some groundwork that this guy's got something behind him. He is a a true bona fide threat. But they took him down, like relatively easily. You know, Loki season one, they, you know, the other Loki stabbed him, killed him. He laughed and said, well, you're all fucked now. And but everyone was like, yeah, so. Um, Ant-Man, I think, was the opportunity to make Kang an, an actual threat to the MCU. I thought they were going to do that. And then now in this, I mean, the, the, the whole episode is takes place in the past during the Chicago World's Fair. And it's a, a variant named Victor Timely. Um, who was given an early copy of the TVA handbook. And he basically is given it as a child, reads through it and starts having all these wonderful ideas that eventually leads to what becomes the TVA. Um, it's the whole, you know, giving yourself foreknowledge and then changing your future, but are you still going to give yourself that foreknowledge sort of thing? Anyways, um, but as I said, it, it lays some interesting groundwork for the, sh- the show, but so far no groundwork for the mcu so yeah now, i heard there's a lot so of good. sitting around and talking it's just not a lot happening i heard that loki doesn't use his magic in the right way his oh he's, he's using it now and... he's he's definitely using it now he's using more of the illusions um and actually using his magic as opposed to here let me use the technology from the tva or good old-fashioned right cross sort of bullshit um, he's actually using his magic more. But again, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of like, hey, there's a big crisis on the other side of this wall we can't get through. So we'll just talk about it. 
<laughs> like um the crisis the, the thing that's going to kill us all maybe you know instead of just talking about it or running willy-nilly from point a to point b to point c to point d to try to come up with a hopeful solution uh, bust down the fucking wall fix that yeah so that's i think that's the biggest problem is they're trying to throw some tension in with a, a big threat but at the same time they're like it's just it's it's a ho-hum it's it doesn't yeah it's hard to see the effect of how threatening this is supposed to be when they don't show you and they describe it in the most boring and mundane terms you're like oh oh well um someone forgot to buy the bananas i was talking with this um with some colleagues last night and just how everybody's just losing interest in star wars and marvel through disney because it's so much of the mundane that mm-hmm. like that's not what we came here for we came here for proper superhero action for heroic characters fighting big bads and fight scenes that actually mean something but it's so much padded story so much waiting and mm-hmm. arms crossing and talking about things and sitting in restaurants and eating key lime pie and all these yeah. kind of things that like that's not what i'm here for no yeah. remember when star wars was about space battles and lightsaber fights and it was all condensed into an hour and a half or two hours it was a short story short and sweet where the entire yeah. galaxy is at stake and done. Like it was intense. Well, it's funny. I had a discussion with a couple of friends of mine earlier this week. Um, and they're talking about where do you go with Spider-Man films? You know, after the whole end game, how do you scale him back into like, you know, swinging through the, you know, through Queens and, and, and dealing with like, people stealing bikes and and shit like that like it doesn't it it seems like a waste of the character because we've seen him in action at almost like a cosmic level yeah how do you scale him down so i could see where marvel's like you know the writers are like i I don't know what to do with this character um because we've seen him you know face the cosmic gods how is a mugger with a knife really going to be much of a threat to him and his and three solo films I, I, with Tom Holland, they had a chance to take it a little bit smaller scale, but they pretty much went Avengers level threat for all of yeah, them. Yeah, when they, put, maybe they minus the, the Vulture, like the Vulture yeah. is one who still kind well, of seemed the, the Vulture and and then uh, Mysterio. Um, it didn't really get big when you know he introduced the whole magic and his his the biggest thing with Spider Man was his identity being revealed, and then yeah. you're doing that you know the one more day or the next day or whatever the hell it was called. But even with the first movie, the fact that Iron Man was there and he had access to all the Stark technology, it took it to this bigger scale than yeah. what it should have been. And I think you're right. Like it's hard to scale that back, especially when the studios want these tentpole movies and you've already had the three Spider-Man you've already had the big movie. Pole. Yeah. And... You've had the biggest of the, of the Marvel movies you could have with Endgame. How are you going to top it? And it feels like what they're trying to do with with Kang, but it's like Kang is is Thanos was such a big threat, and he, the fact that he won, and the heroes had to like sidestep and kind of cheat to reverse things. I mean, Kang is all about he's a, appears all the way through time. So how are you going to like time travel to, to defeat him? So he doesn't become that big of a, as big of a threat. You can't make him that big of a threat because then he's unbeatable. 
And yeah, it's just, I think they should have gone a different way with it. I really do. But and I don't think you could do Kang properly without the Fantastic Four. Like that's the only way you really do it. It's like doing Galactus without the Fantastic Four, or Mm -hmm. doing Galactus without the Silver Surfer, because the Silver Surfer was the link that humanity got to understand what Galactus is or who he is. Without that link, it just kind of. And I'm not talking the giant cloud from the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer movie. Um, That was so bad. That was terrible. Um, so yeah, so it's, I, I find like with that, like, like the, as I was saying the last time with Ahsoka, it was just, you know, it se- feels like all the writers are stuck in this very narrow time corridor that they, they want to take all the stories take place in there, but you're like, it's, it's, you know, it, it's on, like a knife fight in a closet, you know, um, there's more to the house, go to other rooms, tell more interesting stories. And it just feels like it's they they just can't. So, yeah. So I'm hopeful for Loki, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not betting the farm on it. Pretty much like it's whatever happens happens. It's um, such a shame too because it's such great actors, like yeah. Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Like they should be able to do a lot with, well, with what they get. But if you don't yeah. give them anything to work with, because I was or told you, to, and or you, you restrict tell, them, me, and if, if you restrict them to such a narrow thing, they have to play against. Yeah, no. Correct so. me if I'm wrong, but I've also heard that they do great acting, even though they they're not given much. Like they have a presence yeah, on screen, they deliver. They're chewing it well. up the scenery. I mean, they're they're chewing up the the, the scenes really well. Um, and but it's just yeah when you're you don't have much to work with you can only go so far with it before you're like well i'm i'm tapped out so yeah i'm i said i'm hopeful but i'm not i'm not going to bet the farm this is going to be like the end all be all series for marvel to restart the mcu or any bullshit like that yeah i i think we're seeing the the worst part is i think it's disney's influence in Marvel, Disney's influence on Star Wars that's that's killing these properties. You know, it's and we've said about this before is that they don't go back to that source material. They're doing a copy of a copy without understanding what mm-hmm. it is they're supposed to be creating. This is something that a colleague of mine said last night as well. Is he, he was talking in context to Dungeons and Dragons and being a GM and how mm-hmm. the books would give you a list of source material you could go to, so you could read like yeah. all these old Conan books or the Lord of the Rings, or point you to all these different sources that inspires what Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant idea. And I was thinking in context of these, say, Disney Plus shows or anything that's based on an existing property, you should really get something like that. It's like, okay, well, yeah, this is yeah. what Star Wars is, but this is what inspired George Lucas. Like, this is what everything was based on. Like, don't just watch the movies and come up with your own interpretation. Like, go back to that source material that inspired Star Wars understand that and then come back to us with a script or this is why I was was really excited by the idea of the rogue squadron series with Patty Jenkins at the helm. Cause I feel that of all the different directors out there, she would have probably brought some of the best, you know, new ideas to it, but at the same time staying true to the source material. I mean, her dad was a fighter pilot in the Navy 
Um, so she saw that lifestyle and the whole premise is that you basically have, it's like Top Gun in space and X-Wings. Not that hard to do. You know, it's a little bit of the personal drama and then a whole lot of space battles with, with X-Wings and TIE Fighters. It would have been great. But it doesn't fit with a whole, no, no, no. Everything's got to be about the Force and, and this and that. And it's just like, oh. God. I mean, as I said, after a week or so after Ahsoka has ended and reflecting on it, I have to assume, like a lot of people like, oh, people who say they don't claim they don't understand Ahsoka need to watch, like, you know, you have to watch Rebels and, and all this. Other. If you're coming up with a, a new series, if you're not going to label it as Rebels Season 5 Ahsoka, if you're just going to say, hey, it's a new sh- a new series, it's part of the Star Wars, you, you shouldn't have to go back and watch a whole bunch of shows and read a couple of books to follow along. It should be explained well enough within the context of that show, which this wasn't. Um, and you had honestly dialogue written so poorly that George Lucas could get an Oscar for the writing he did in the prequels. Like some of the dialogue was, was honestly, I must, there must've been dialogue like cross arms sigh because they just sighed all just, (sighs) 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 it was just like, like enough with the sighing already. You know, part, part of a sigh is you're, you're frustrated with the situation at large. Then say something. Don't just, ah. like, that is frustrating. And that's honestly a soak in a nutshell. Cross your arms. And or not even crossing. Just lay one arm atop the other because your uniform, your, your costume doesn't allow it and sigh. And that was honestly my feelings of the whole, of the whole series. Eh. Ah. Thank God it's over. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's like the the Marvel shows and the the Disney show, like the Marvel, the Disney Marvel and the the Disney Star Wars stuff. It's just, it's not. It's missing the mark. It's like they don't understand the material it's coming from. There's no inspiration there. So yeah, and again, contrast that with One Piece because I've been recommending it to everybody, and I thought I should rewatch that episode again, the first one, just to see what I'm getting everybody into because I kind of forgot what happens mm-hmm. where and like what you get in that first episode but it's fantastic you get introductions to three main characters plus a couple villains plus some backstory plus a motivation and by the end of it they're a crew like in one episode you get all yeah, of that in one episode, so dense in less than an hour and the whole time you don't feel like they're just throwing all this information at you they're you're giving you're being given the information in a manner that is easily understood, easily remembered, and accepted, but they don't dwell on it. They just hit you with the information, one or two pieces of supporting, and then move on, and then you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, And it's a crazy world they're trying to establish. It's insane, but it works. you got giant snails as as telephones. And the concept of the pirates and the marines and the fact that there's good pirates and bad pirates and good marines and bad marines and all that kind of stuff. You understand the characters' dreams and everything. Yeah. And you're rooting for them. That's another thing. By That's the end the of the first is... episode, you are seriously rooting for all the main characters. Well, that was, I think, was part of the, what was missing from Ahsoka is you had characters that not only did you not kind of relate to or root for, you were actively hoping they get their ass kicked. Honestly. like I was just like, alright, so Sabine, just someone's got to like Plink, like you know, plink the helmet, kick her ass, do something because I'm so sick of the the mopey teenage angst. 
And then Ahsoka shows up and you're like, oh shit, now it's adult angst. Could someone kick her ass too? It's just, oh. But again, hearkening all the way back to, to Yoda saying, you know, Luke's basically the last Jedi. I'm like, these other people don't count? I mean, they're all like, we've got some fully trained Jedi here. Not not one of them could like help out. Maybe call them to, to Dagobah and say, could you help me train Luke with some lightsaber stuff? Because I'm I'm a little short green guy that's 800 years old. Um, Maybe they got blacklisted. Maybe Yoda is just like, eh, no, we can't hire yeah. those fools. Yeah. So um, let's see. Other things. I've had a couple things. Oh. So I was on a long plane ride and had a chance to watch some movies. There's a bunch of movies that were playing that I didn't want to watch because they get censored for, you know, for flights. And so um, Sisu, that was one I wanted to watch. But mm-hmm. is that the way you said it? Right? The, yeah. Uh, the John Wick guys. Yeah. And that was one. It's like, no, I got to watch that on a proper TV in a proper setting. It's not going to get censored. So I went through the list and picked a bunch of movies that I probably should see, but I didn't want to waste time or money on. So okay. I had a list of three of them. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm. And that was not great as far as I'm concerned. Uh <laughs> I forget what your opinion was on that one. You did see it, right? I, I did see it. That one for me was, you know, you could tell James Gunn knew he was leaving. So he kind of wanted to wrap up some of the story arcs on the characters. Um, and yeah, just kind of be like, see you later, folks. I'll catch you over on the DC side. That's what 100%. made me really sad is that the movie didn't matter. There was yeah. no actual character arcs or development. I mean, honestly, like, they he needed... If you wanted to make it again, it's it's kind of morbid, but you have to you have to be willing to pull the trigger on some characters. They not everyone can just ride off into the sunset. You have to pull the trigger on a character on the character, and, and on the, the, the thing too is that the guardians basically split up at the end of it. Yeah, so they start off kind of fragmented. Gamora's not there. She joined the Ravagers of all things. Like why the Ravagers? That didn't make any sense to me. No. They're just hanging out with Sylvester Stallone and his gang. But then, so the Guardians are already fragmented, but in the end, they don't come back together because that would be a character arc. You know, Gamora rejoins mm-hmm. and they're a team again. But no, everybody buggers off. They give the job to Rocket. So they go and rescue him. Say, hey, buddy, we rescued you. Now, fuck you. We're leaving. It's like, oh, that's not a very satisfying story. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, yeah, as far as character development, the closest thing you could have to a satisfying arc there, I guess, would be Drax because he's acting all stupid and then you see him acting like a father figure. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of sweet and enduring. But everyone else, like, I didn't care. In yeah, Guardians I- 2, one of my favorite things was the dynamic between Nebula and Gamora, the two mm-hmm. sisters fighting the whole time and you know, just how ruthless a Nebula is. She wants her sister dead, but then yeah. they get over their problems and they become a team again. That yeah, and was a nice the, arc. You have Endgame where Gamora has, or, or a Nebula has kind of grown up and matured and made peace with her sister, but now you have the 2013 Gamora who's not that person. She's not the one who's grown up with her sister and made friends. Now she's like, well, you suck. And um, that would be such a fun dynamic to play with, but they don't even really touch on it. 
Like Nebula See, I, calls I her up on the phone and say, hey, we need some help. Okay. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have preferred Peter, honestly, Peter Quill dying. And that being enough of a a moment that Gamora realized maybe what he could have meant to her. So she steps up and takes over the team. You could have, and then you have Nebula, like she's saying, you know, I'd love to join you guys on this adventures, but I've seen too much. I've done too much. I'm going to pull back and basically run nowhere. That would make sense for her, you know, because there was that whole chance of a budding romance between her and Quill. And then they quickly shot that down. But, you know, having Quill sacrifice himself or maybe even worse, not even sacrificing himself for noble cause, but just being killed. You know, you know, they, they defeat the, the bad guy and then like something blows up and Quill dies. And it's just like, oh, well, uh, shit. Um, you know, something to that effect, but we didn't even get that. And I find this, the problem when you get to like second and third movies is you still have the same cast around and they either have to like split and go their own ways or they stay together. And when you're like, so the, the movie meant nothing. It's, it's like a Simpson episodes where everything kind of resets at the end so that the next episode doesn't have to tie into the previous episode. Yeah, I would have liked it if the team just got back together. I'd be happy if no character got killed. But if you're going to start the movie with the team fragmented, I think the resolution should be they come back together. Come back now, together. If you yeah. want to go the other way, then start the team together and then have them fragment and fall apart or so like but yeah. there has to be a beginning and end. Something has to change. Now, I did like Cosmo. He was a great character. Yeah, Cosmo's I would have even liked maybe even seeing Gamora had started her own Guardians of the Galaxy team, not a Ravager team, a Guardian of the Galaxy team that was competing against them continuously. You know, yeah, something like, like that. there could be something cool because you know, it almost has like a bounty hunter or something like that. That would be a kind of fun yeah. character for her. Like she'd have so to like find something they, to do. Well, even not even just, I mean, or, or her team are like bounty hunters. But the thing is, is like when the Guardians go in to you know solve this problem, they swoop in, grab the people because they're bounties and leave, and then the, the Guardians are like, uh. You're welcome. You know, and they're having to now deal with this other team that people are like, oh, we we called the other team because they're more effective. They get the job done. Like, but we're the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they call themselves that too. We like that their team better. So that could have been a way to go. But yeah, I was just dissatisfied with the ending of, of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It was ho-hum. I would have been but, happy if that movie didn't even exist. And the Christmas special was the finale because I enjoyed the Christmas special. Yeah, it's just I just ended it right there. That would, although that was nice. They did make mention, like reference the 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 holidays, events from the holiday special in the like like at the end when Quill's reading the paper and you hear like the, the broadcast, like uh, Kevin Bacon talking about being abducted by aliens and so on and so forth. All right, so what else did you see? The second Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. I always forget what it was called. Is it Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse? Across, I think or... it's Across, the, across the, the, the Spider-Verse or something like that. And that was another one I really didn't like. I love the animation. I thought the animation was amazing. So I was happy to watch it just for the eye candy. But mm -hmm. we've talked about this before, how I don't like these tokenized characters where you're just copying something that was original and just creating duplicates and variants and multiple versions. 
So that whole Spider-Man dimension where there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of different Spider-Men all hanging out. It's just kind of weird and it diminishes what Spider-Man should be. And what pisses me off even more is the fact that the actual Peter Parker is wearing a pink bathrobe with the baby the entire movie. Now, that would have been funny for just a gag, like for a one moment thing. But the mm-hmm. fact that he goes into the next movie wearing it as well, it's like, oh, come on, man, just kind of pisses me off. And I don't like the idea that there's these canon events that happen. Like for you to be a Spider-Man, you have to have your uncle get killed or and things like that. It's just like, come on. It's forcing the story in a right Because the original Spider-Man story, it's an organic story that happens. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker learns his lesson. With great power comes great responsibility. He decides to become a hero. But now that you're working into these canon events, like all these things must happen. Yep, we got to let all these people die because that's how you become a Spider-Man. Yeah, otherwise you're not going to realize the responsibility you truly have. So we're just going to let everyone die. That goes so contrary to what Spider-Man's about. It's like, no, I'm yeah. going to try and save everybody. Exactly. Um, it's funny. So I remember, you know, for me, again, I going over past ground, I can't stand the villain of this film, who is the Spider-Man 2099, Miguel, whatever the fuck his name is. I look at it as if you're not a Peter... Or a Parker. You have no say in the spider like milieu at all. You know, you are just kind of like you lucked into the spider powers. Shut up, sit down, smile. That's as much con- contribution. As, oh, well, well, I created the technology. Good for you. <laughs> is, is your first name Peter or is your last name Parker? No, sit down, shut up, fucking smile. That's as much as you get. You don't get to, to tell all the other Peter Parkers, May Parkers, or Peter What's It's Nuts, or whatever, all the actual Spider-Men what to do. You don't get that call. I mean, you were fucking blow-by from the 1990s when they decided to have to do the whole 2099 bullshit. You know, you don't get that right. Fuck you. So, yeah, that's my opinion. I just, I just felt it was such a weak villain idea to begin with you know if you wanted to make him go all psycho and then have all the spider-man turn on him maybe but they all just like hey yeah sure let's do what he says why is he a peter parker no then he can sit down shut the fuck up and smile yeah and considering the real peter parker was pretty quiet through that whole exchange too yeah yeah I, and the thing is, is like the the peter parker from uh, Miles Morales universe who died, who was voiced by one of a uh, Chris Pine, I think. Um, you could say he was the OG Spider-Man, but the other Peter Parkers, you know, I to me still rank higher than Miguel What's His Nuts from 2099. That's yeah. Why does he get to decide that? Oh, there have to be a certain defining event to make you a Spider-Man, or you're not a real Spider-Man. Well, wake the fuck up, buddy. You're not a real Spider-Man either. So. By your own rules, you have to sit down, shut up, smile, and fuck off. So, yeah. You tell him that. I will. All right, we're third film. What was it? Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Oh. And that was pretty rough. Sorry, Gavin. <laughs> it was pretty rough. And of all of them, this was the 
absolute biggest piece of trash because there's so much that's wrong with it. Like, first of all, Optimus Prime was a sniveling idiot. That pissed me off. Because Optimus Prime is one of my favorite characters of all time. I think he's one of the greatest leaders. You know, he's the gentle giant. You know, he can kick ass when he needs to. Here, he's just constantly making bad decisions and pouting because somebody got killed or got hurt. And it's all my fault. And it's a point where this human character, who's a nobody comes in and he's like giving Optimus Prime a pep talk and trying to come up with a plan. It's like, oh, come on. Like this guy can't even handle his own personal life. He can't even get a job. And now he's going to order Optimus Prime around. That made me sick. Um, Mirage was in it and they did this weird thing because he was a Porsche, but he did this thing where he just changed into a bunch of different vehicles. At one point he even turns into a garbage truck. It's like, what the hell is this? I hate the idea of this Bay universe, how it's just like shards of metal that can just reconfigure into anything. That really pissed me off. Uh, it was a real small cast for the most part, but even still, they don't really do anything and get any real screen time. When they have to fly to, I think it was South America, um, this gigantic plane comes in and it was worse than a bad Disney cartoon, transforms into this bumbling pilot that like trips over himself and has like goggles on his face and a metal mustache. And it's just, there's so much wrong with it. And there's so much of the story focused on the humans. So first of all, in my opinion, there were unlikable characters to begin with, but you go through like 15 minutes of backstory before you even see a transformer. And I don't like them. So not only is it boring because there's no robots, but I don't like the human characters they're introducing. And then the Beast Wars characters, it's just kind of like, meh, it didn't. We're just really throwing them in there to... because we got them. Yeah, it's like we can probably sell some toys. But it 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 was weird. I always pictured Beast Wars, you know, the animal modes looking pretty much like animals. Mm -hmm. they, they got the fur on them. They they don't look so much like robots. But in this movie, with all the little mechanical bits all over that, it's like, who are you fooling? You don't look <laughs> like a gorilla or a cheetah. And um, the villains just, I thought, were trash as well. It was neat to see Unicron as like a live-action CG kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's not enough to save the movie. So <laughs> it was just utterly painful. And this was what I just kept falling asleep on and kept skipping through. I did get through to the end, but... It was not good. It was a slog. It was such a slog. Like, if I could get up and leave the theater, I would, but I couldn't. <laughs> You're kind of stuck. Uh, it was funny, talking about characters that are not what you, what you would expect. I remember in the original Transformers movie, um, you know, Optimus dies. Big spoiler, by the way, if you don't know. Optimus dies, and he hands over the Matrix of Leadership. And they decide they're going to give it to Ultra Magnus. And he's told... In our darkest hour, the the Matrix is going to, you know, you'll be able to use it. The Decepticons attack, and immediately, Ultra Magnus is, like, trying to crack that thing open as fast as he can. It's like, two Decepticons show up, and you're like, holy shit. It's like, the pizzas, we, we ordered some pizza, it's late. Well, time to open up this, get this thing out, because the pizza's on time. It was just like he couldn't wait to crack that or even try to crack that thing open. Of course, he loses it and then Rodimus Prime and yada, yada, yada. 
But anyways, it was just like, you'd think if Prime's going to hand over the mantle of leadership to someone else, this person could handle leadership. Not like, oh shit, the bathwater's not hot enough. Let's crack open this matrix of leadership. Light our darkest hour. We got to get the bathwater two degrees hotter. And it was just like, wow. That it just felt like uh, someone wasn't thinking. Um, and yeah. that's what it's well, like. Optimus Prime thought he was the most qualified for the job. It's true. Hot Rod wasn't quite ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's like an interim captain I until guess. the Matrix chose the real captain. Lord. You're saying out of the three movies you watched, zero for three? Zero for three. But oh. that got me brainstorming on just what could have been. And like all of those needed a very solid rewrite. They had to get back to the core of what the story should be. So with Guardians, again, I tell a proper superhero story. I didn't mind the high evolutionary as a character. I thought he was a pretty good threat. And I thought the concept of him creating worlds and saying, hey, I got it wrong. And then causing genocide and trying again. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, for a space villain, I thought he was not bad. But you had to do something with the Guardians. Finish strong as a team or do a proper send-off and not just this kind of, meh, I'm moving over to DC so I don't really care anymore, which is what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Across the Spider-Verse or into the Spider-Verse, whichever one it was, they had, or I wish it was a Spider-Man movie. Forget this alternate dimension multiple Spider-Men, all that. If you had that animation style with classic Peter Parker Spider-Man telling a classic comic book movie, with that style of animation, it would have been incredible. And with Transformers, like you just got to get someone who actually likes Transformers to make it. Like, give it to me. I'll give you a good Transformer movie. Uh, I don't know what they're doing with this Michael Bay universe. Uh, it's just everything's wrong. Go back and watch the cartoons. Go back and watch the original 86 movie. See what the Transformers are supposed to be. Like, go buy some toys. Look at the Masterpiece toys and some of the third-party ones. The What they're doing with the toys now is incredible. They look like actual vehicles, and they turn into accurate robots that look similar to what was done in the cartoon. Like All that, you don't need to redesign them whatever they're doing with these Hollywood designs and the shards of metal and turning into something it's not supposed to be. Just scrap all that, go back to basics, reboot the franchise, and do Transformers right. Because it's one of the best properties, IPs of all time. So that's my thoughts on those three movies. A bunch of stinkers that should have been good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so with the kids, um, I watched... Because it came on Paramount, was it Paramount, Peacock, one of the streaming shows. Uh, Rudy Gilman, Teenage Kraken. This is from DreamWorks, um, distributed by Universal. Um, and it's all about this, you know, young teenage girl who is, she's, you know, she's like a sea creature, but kind of hiding out with her family. So this um, is animated, obviously. All, all animated. They're, they're Krakens, but they're human-sized and they... They just say they're from Canada. When people go, hey, your skin color is different or you talk funny. We're from Canada, eh? And they'll turn and they'll point to a on their backpack and it has a Canada something. Everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. 
So that's their their whole thing is they just say they're from Canada. Yeah. Um, and then we find out, well, there's a new transfer to the school who happens to be a mermaid. And then we get the story that uh, the, the girl Kraken, her overprotector mom, overprotective mom who says you can never go in the ocean because when you go in the ocean, Krakens, the female Krakens assume their full size, which is enormous, like hundreds of feet tall, multiple tentacles, glowing tentacles. Find out the grandma is the queen of the Krakens and Krakens have a bunch of powers. And long ago, her mom um, fought the mermaids and took, and the only thing that can hurt Krakens is this mystical, basically like Neptune's trident. So the second the mermaid shows up, you know, you know, even though she's friends with the Kraken, she's after the Trident. It was such a stereotypical, like poke you in the eyeball with the with the clues sort of story that I pretty much figured it out with like as they're doing the opening monologue. You're like, all right, this is what's gonna happen. Mermaid is gonna show up. She's actually the queen of the mermaid. She wants the, the trident to try to kill the, the Krakens. Sure enough, that's exactly what it is. So they didn't really stretch any um, story writing abilities with this one. They played it as safe as they physically could. But visually it looked nice. And the voice acting actually was really good. Kids enjoyed it. For me, again, very, the, the story was so predictable, I, I couldn't like it. But I did like the visuals. I, I really liked the voice acting. Um, would I recommend people go see it? Only if you have young kids. Or like people like kids on the the cusp of becoming teenagers. That's about it. It was not a great movie. Um, and then the other movie I watched with the kids is the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie. Um, and again, a really really good voice cast. They actually had teenagers playing the Ninja Turtles. So their voices would suddenly like break and crack just like a teenager's would. So it was, it was really good. Also had the high energy of teenagers. Um, and the the voice cast is actually really huge. I mean, they have like John Cena and, and Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. So they do have some depth to the, the voice talent. Um, but what got me most was the, the rendering of the animation. Like it's all CG. But it, in some ways, it kind of looks like Claymation. In other ways, it kind of feels like almost like across the Spider-Verse. It's like some CG with some hand-drawn stuff over top. It it was such a different style. And did they shoot, shoot that on twos? I thought I saw something in the trailer or something. Yeah, yeah. The, the animation like style it was on shot twos. On, it's shot on twos. Um So things kind of move more like a, a, a classically animated film. But just like... When you look at the turtle's face from the turn of the face, you swear you see like a thumbprint on Leo's nose where they sculpted the head, but that's just the texture. But it's not super slick in terms of the, the rendering style. So it kind of looks like that rough claymation way. And uh, this is, I mean, 100%. Hey, let's tell the origin of the turtles all over again. And sure enough, that's what they do. Um, I'm not going to get into stay true to the comics and stuff, or do they completely change everything? Oh, they change a lot of stuff. Um, Splinter is just a rat 
who got infected with the ooze and, and got like, you know, human-like proportions and whatnot was not a ninja master coming from Japan first or the, the pet of a ninja master. They, they, they learned martial arts from a, an abandoned um, uh, video cassette of like martial art lessons by, by video VHS and then some movies, like some Jackie Chan, which is funny because the voice of Splinter is Jackie Chan. So he basically taught taught himself martial arts by watching these videos. Oh, he just froze. Whoa, there goes Trevor. I guess he had a power outage, so we'll have to continue the conversation about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles next podcast. And since I don't have anything left to say, goodbye individually. We'll see you next one. You have just been listening to Geeking Off the Page, a Planet Geek production. Please be sure to like, subscribe, share, and review. You are welcome to follow us on our social media platforms. For Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, search for Planet Geek Productions. On X, former Twitter, and Instagram, search for Planet Geek Pod. Or you can also send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So, until next bat time, same spider channel, the truth is out there. So say we all. May the force be with you. Yes, have some. And thanks for tuning in.